Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. What's up, everybody? Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast. Uh, I'm Henry Chisholm, and I have some special news that I get to share with you guys today um, about this podcast going forward. So, we have a new partner at DNVR, and that is DraftKings. Uh, In case you guys haven't heard, which I'm sure you have, you're sports fans, uh, betting on sports is now legal in Colorado as of May 1st, and we're partnering with DraftKings. We have a bunch of really cool, fun things planned, um, custom betting lines based on what we're interested in here at DNVR. You know, if there's something in particular that you want to bet on, if you guys just let me know, I can talk to DraftKings and they will get that line set up for you. I know that uh, I've heard people say that all basketball season, they wanted to bet on uh, Nikola Jokic to they just want to bet on the over under for total points plus rebounds plus assists because you knew that he was going to fill up at least one part of the stat sheet enough to hit that over um i heard from one of my friends who wanted to bet on this that it only happened once this season but again if that's something that you for example want to bet on you can reach out to me and i can reach out to DraftKings, and then you can bet on that whenever you want um that's just one of the really cool things we have planned um and I'm probably not the most relevant to, to uh, today, which is an ad-free Tuesday. Um, today, no ads every single week, every single Tuesday. Instead, there will be one segment of every Tuesday show that's dedicated to a bet that I like. Um, you know, around now, things are going to be pretty random. You know, there's some UFC on Saturday I think we might talk about later. Uh, I, made, <laughs> I made some money on some table tennis because I wanted to figure out how to use the DraftKings app. Boy, we at DNVR also super bought into the Korean Baseball League. I stayed up till 2.30 watching those baseball games last night. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Um, so it's going to be a little bit chaotic what that second segment, that DraftKings segment will be, at least for this first stretch. While there's, I mean, not no sports anymore, but pretty much no sports. Um, but then here's my plan for during the season, just so we're on the same page. So uh, let's just start with Friday. So Fridays. That'll be our game preview pod. Obviously, we'll be talking about the games all week, but uh, Friday will be the final preview. Saturday, you'll get your post-game pod. Monday, we'll uh, do a little bit broader recap of the Buffs game. 
um, as well as what went on around the Pac-12. Tuesday's uh, DraftKings Day, that'll be where we run through all of the Pac-12 games for the week. Um, I'll pick out a couple of my favorite lines from the week and give you guys some advice there. We'll be keeping track of how often I'm right so you know whether to trust me. Honestly, I don't know whether to trust me because I am not much of a better. But uh, uh, I'm really excited. It's going to be a lot of fun. Obviously, there'll be more podcasts during the week, but that's just kind of how I'm seeing um, this opportunity shaking out. It's just a chance to... uh, talk more about Pac-12 sports because we had quite a few of those conversations last season, but to be totally honest, I didn't have the buffs totally figured out until about halfway through camp, and that's when I could start opening my eyes to what was going on around the Pac-12 and have some sort of idea. Now I actually know what's happening around Pac-12 football going into the season, uh, so that'll be a lot of fun to talk about all these other teams just once a week and uh, which lines we like. You guys can hit your favorite lines in the comments. Uh Maybe we have like a special Tuesday thing. It's pretty open-ended, but I am really excited that this is going to give us an opportunity to uh, spend more time looking around the Pac-12. And and to be honest, like a lot of the betting advice, we've, we've talked a lot about the, at the as a company about how we want to do this. Um, for me personally, I want to keep it as bus-related as possible. But uh, if there's another line that I really like somewhere else, I'll, I'll let you know about that too. Um, super excited to have DraftKings on board. Super excited to have DraftKings on board. Um, also excited just to have sports back. Um, and that's what we're going to be talking about first here today because the NCAA released their core principles of resocialization of college or collegiate sport, core principles of resocialization of collegiate sport. Basically, they're the guidelines that are going to dictate when college sports come back, um, you know, I spent a lot of time looking through them. I've read some reactions to them just to make sure that I, I have, I'm not missing anything. Um, I really like it. I think it makes sense um, because so much of what's been frustrating about this whole situation is that we didn't. There's there's no plan for the ending of it all. You know, there's nothing we can look at. It, it's not like oh, we're in winter now. We're going to start feeling some 60-degree days, some some 65-degree days, and that's how we're going to kind of know that we're shifting out of winter, that summer's on the way. There's there's nothing like that that's a sign um, of when life will be able to get back to normal. You know, you can kind of track the cases and all that kind of stuff, but it's, it's just really tough. Uh, now, there are some fairly firm gu- guidelines. Obviously, it isn't all just black and white, but uh, there's a lot to like. Um... Where to start? Let's start uh, just with some of the base basic rules. Um, we're going to run through these pretty quickly. These are things that have to happen for them to even consider it. And then you can start talking about the time periods. And just to spoil it a little bit, it's about six weeks before they get fully through the program. Um, we just don't know when those six weeks start yet. So here are the uh, points that have to be checked for this all to happen. Um, first of all, there cannot be any uh, essentially federal laws that say you can't gather. Um, there can't be state uh, or the state and local authorities have to have a plan in place for resocialization. Um, there also has to be a plan in place by the university um, f- for them to kind of go about how the college is going to reopen. Um, there also has to be a specific plan in place at the university 
for the resocialization of student athletes within athletics um, that that takes they need special attention to that um, there also has to be enough health care not healthcare equipment personal protective equipment um, for all the athletics healthcare providers um, there have to be sanitizers around uh, to make sure that there's no infections um, there uh, oh there has to be access uh, the, let's see. There must be the ability to access immunity to COVID-19 at a regional and local level. So essentially that means that you have to know if you're immune. There has to be a way to test if somebody's immune for this. Um, and that, that could take a while or it could be pretty quickly. Um, then uh, there has to be quick, reliable testing um, in case anybody is suspected of having COVID-19. My fairly educated take, and by that I mean like I watch the news, it seems like we're getting kind of close to quick testing, um, at least some positive signs in that direction. Um, and then there must be a plan in place by the local government to identify people who have COVID-19 and quickly isolate them and quickly figure out who they've come into contact with. Because essentially the plan is here um, to say, now we've gotten this virus from where it's in 2% of the population or 1% of the population or whatever, cut down to some much lower percentage so that uh, we can track wherever it's going. So that every person who gets it, we can know who they went to contact with and have those people isolated like you normally would during a pandemic. Um, just a little bit late getting to that point where we could test and we could manage those things um, here. So those are basically the hurdles. Um, and then we'll get to the one piece that kind of triggers everything here in a minute and the different phases of this plan. Um, because it is really interesting to hear how they've pieced this together. Uh, but again, uh, there can't be any laws by the any governments that say, or I guess not any governments. Um, there can't be a national uh, law that says no gathering, no 10 people together, no 50, whatever, whatever that may be. There has to be a plan at the college and a plan specifically for student athletes. They need to have enough um, PPE. Uh, they have to uh, be able to test quickly. They need to be able to test for immunity. Um, and that's about it. That's basically it. They need to have, I guess, the local government's infrastructure to trace cases. Um, and then we get into the interesting stuff. So what they're doing is basically saying that all needs to happen. And then when we see 14 straight days where there has been a decrease in new cases, then, uh, that'll trigger phase one. So you have to have actually all of these things in place for two weeks. And then uh, you have to see cases decline by for 14 days. So for example, right now um, in the US, we've declined for three days um, as of May 4th. So May 5th, because we haven't been able to count it because that's the day I'm recording this, that would be the fourth day that there's been a decline. Um, just so you guys have some idea of where we're at. Um, I think it's interesting because in all three phases of this plan, that is one of the uh, one of the guidelines, one of the pieces that has to be met is 14 straight days. And so so after 14 days, after you have all these things in place, you enter phase one. And during phase one, uh, you can have gatherings of up to 10 people. 
Um, you're still trying to physical distance as much as possible. You still have to have gyms closed. You have to have common areas closed. Um, anywhere where you expect student athletes and staff to congregate. Um, and, and, you know, what would they do about locker rooms, for example? That's a tough question. You know, are they closing off sections of the locker room? Are they saying you have to use it quickly? Um, are they saying dress at home or dress in your car? I don't know. Um, but, you know, allowing 10 people together, that is the start of at least some football activities. Uh, you can, you can bring your starting quarterback and five receivers together and have them play against air a little bit. You know, you can start doing that type of stuff and you'd, you'd, it'd be very basic work. You wouldn't really get much progress done toward the beginning of the season, but those little reps, it's a start. Um, there are also rules that people who are high risk wouldn't be allowed. Um, for example, if you're 65 or older, you wouldn't be allowed there, which is notable because there are a lot of old coaches. You know, Nick Saban is 68. He wouldn't be allowed in this phase one uh, bit. Um, and then there's the normal stuff, non-essential travel minimized. Um, people who live in dorms, they have to make sure that they're being practical, not taking the virus anywhere if they did get it, uh, going home. Um, so yeah, then if 14 more days happen, so essentially you would now be four weeks into a decline, 14 more consecutive days of a decline now get you into phase two. Um, again, vulnerable individuals still have to shelter in place, but then uh, you can have gatherings of up to 50 people so your whole offense, your whole defense, or maybe half your offense, half your defense, and you can have them play each other a little bit. Um, that's where things start to open up. Um, they still want to have gyms closed, common areas closed, um, just because it's an unnecessary risk. But uh, yeah, and again, virtual meetings as much as possible, non-essential travel actually may resume there. Um, then if you're in phase two and 14... Um, Oh, and you have to be in there for 14 days. Then you can move on to phase three. And in phase three, essentially get all the things you earned in phase two, except that unrestricted staffing is now there. Uh, you can reopen your gyms and common areas if you have appropriate sanitation protocols. Um, you, you, they'd still recommend that the... Uh, they still recommend that even low-risk populations um, shouldn't spend too much time in there, if at all possible, but technically there's no rule against it. Um, there we go. I mean, that's what we're looking at. And and now that there is this kind of map and we don't know when it's going to start, there's still some questions. You know, what, what if the second breakout does happen? And that's the reason they need the consecutive days of dips is because uh, assuming everything opens up, it's kind of, I, I don't want to put numbers. I almost said 50-50, but there's some chance that uh, the, the virus kind of keeps going again because people have it and now they're contacting people and then it just starts spreading like it was before. Um, or maybe they actually are able to keep it contained because they're able to trace who has it. Um, and if it goes the way that we're able to keep the decline after opening things up, then uh, obviously the, the you'll keep advancing from phase or into phase one and then to phase two and then to phase three. But if uh, there is this second wave that we've heard about and all of a sudden there's drastic increases in cases, then maybe they'd back away 
they don't really make that clear in here but uh there you go um so essentially that means that to get back to normal you're at least six six weeks away there's still some uh, some things that need to happen before that that starts. You know, we're three days into de decreasing cases. How stringent they are in terms of what the local governments need to be capable of. How are they measuring that stuff? Who knows? Maybe maybe they're a little bit looser with it. Maybe they're super stringent and really need um, to see prove it. But it's a start, and uh, you love to see it. One more note, kind of in the same vein that I thought was interesting um, is that yesterday it leaked that the NFL is looking into holding games on Saturdays. So the way they do it, they, I'm, I'm, do they still have some Saturday games? I, it feels like still two weeks or so a season, they'll have a Saturday game or two Saturday games. Um, but maybe they've stopped that the last couple of years. Um, but essentially it'd be those types of Saturday games just throughout the season. So you'd have your Thursday night football, you'd have your Sunday night football, your Monday night football, uh, your normal Sunday slate, and then maybe one game, two games on Saturdays, uh, just because there would be viewership if there's no college football. And that's what this NFL plan is contingent on, is if there is no college football, all of a sudden Saturday there is no football on, and so the NFL would capitalize on that. That got That's not really a surprise by any means. That's what you'd expect the NFL to do. It makes a lot of sense. Obviously, I mean, people like me, I'm not going to watch a game during the Broncos game, but if that game was on not during a Broncos game, I would watch it. You know, I'm going to watch every Sunday night football, every Monday night football, every Thursday night football. You put NFL football on Saturdays and there's no college football, I'm watching that too. Um, so in that way, it makes sense. The reason it's kind of interesting is because the, the fact that it leaks means that they're at least having those conversations. What if college football doesn't come back? And, you know, that's that's very possible. Uh that that it doesn't you know or even at some schools it might not um, because the schools aren't open and can you really just bring back your student athletes to play the sports when everybody else is at home I don't know you get into those questions um, worth noting that that is a conversation the NFL thinks is worth having um, I'm still pretty confident that there's going to be football um, college football and NFL football just based on um, everything I've read and I spent all day looking at it because it's my livelihood, but uh, I feel good. The fact that these guidelines are out, and again, I think very well put together guidelines. They kind of cover everything, um, and there isn't a lot you can do at this point except for try to make sure that you put the best guidelines in place, and I think that they did a good job on that two weeks declining cases. That's the only one that's kind of arbitrary, Almost, you know, they could have said 10 days. They could have said three weeks. Um, I'm curious how they came to the 14-day decision um, for each phase. Um, are they concerned that there could just be a one-day spike in cases because, you know, there's there's low reporting on the weekends because some of the clinics are closed and they all report on Monday. So are, are they willing to just ignore a Monday bump or is that factored in? There, there's still some little questions in there, but... This is new stuff, and it's tough to put together this sort of rules. Um, but they did it, and now it feels like we have some hope. So let's just keep cheering for uh, no more jumps in cases, and things might be on the way back to normal. Okay, um, 
I don't have an ad to transition to because uh, it's an ad-free Tuesday, thanks to our friends over at DraftKings. And I haven't said this yet. I probably should have said this the first time I mentioned DraftKings, but um, there are some sign-up bonuses available. If you guys sign up for DraftKings, which we highly recommend, it's been so much fun. You can bet on all sorts of stuff. You can bet on the weather on there. Um, but I've really enjoyed using this app. You know, they, they have a cash-out feature so the DraftKings Sportsbook app, again, this isn't the normal DraftKings app like your daily fantasy app. This is the Sportsbook app. Um, you know, if, if, if you're ahead on a bet, it'll give you the option to cash out if you want to take conservative. There was a point when I was watching the table tennis when I definitely should have done that. Things worked out all right in the end, but, uh, you know, it's a learning process and it's just super easy to use. Um, you know, when, when you use a... A sports book that is legal and that's regulated by the government, you can just trust it. You know, you can bet on the futures because they are bound to give you your money back if these games are not played. You know, if you bet on the Broncos to win over seven and a half games, which I think is a pretty good bet, they won six and then they won seven, and now they don't have Case Keenum or Joe Flacco as their quarterback. So there you go. Um, that's not my advice for today, by the way. But, uh, you know, if if those games aren't played, they have to give you your money back. If you use some offshore uh, bookie dark web website, uh, there are no guarantees because they obviously are not following the laws. Um, so it's so much better to, to uh, keep things above board when it comes to this kind of stuff. And now in Colorado, there is that option. DraftKings Sportsbook is the top-rated sportsbook app in the United States. Um, they launched their sportsbook um, because of their involvement in the daily fantasy stuff. There's the it's it's just really well put together, very intuitive, um, and it's honestly a lot of fun. And it makes me miss sports again. UFC is back this weekend for UFC 249. NASCAR is about to start up. There's stuff to bet on, and it's a lot of fun. I was betting on tennis. Um, there are also sports futures bets, like I mentioned before. Um, there are survivor bets on TV shows like Chopped, like Shark Tank. Um, like I said before, there's there's weather, too. You can bet on the weather if you want. So if you download the, sportsbook, the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use the code DNVR when you sign up, um, and then you can get a sign-up bonus worth up to $1,000. Um, that's the code DNVR when you sign up. It'll pop up right in the middle of the app when you download it and make your account. Um, must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right, uh, into my pick for the week, though. Uh, we're going UFC here because I feel like that's the most, I don't know, it, it's the best to watch. You know, as, as much fun as it was watching those Korean baseball games, like UFC, just a bigger sport. I think more of you will be interested in watching it, so that's where we're going. Uh, so, Saturday. Here's the fight. I mean, there are a bunch of fights. Uh, I suggest looking through all of them. And uh, before I make my pick, I should say that... Uh, on the DraftKings Sportsbook app, you can actually go look at the boosted odds. Um, and I'm pulling it up right now. So, for example, um, if you were to pick Tony Ferguson, Henry Ceuto, and Anthony Pettis all to win, 
the odds are actually boosted right now from plus 300 to plus 330. So that uh, should be a consideration. Uh, if you take uh, Jerzino Rosenstroik to win by uh, KO, TKO, or DQ, then the odds are boosted from plus 370 to plus 405. There's also some Colorado-specific stuff, like uh, the Avs win the Stanley Cup is boosted from 1,000 to 1,100. Um, Jerry Judy to win Offensive Rookie of the Year, 1,600 to 1,765. So I definitely check that stuff out, too. Um, I like Rob Gronkowski to win Comeback Player of the Year, boosted from 300 to 350. I mean, that's an interesting one. But... Uh, those are all long ways down the line, so we're just going to hit on this UFC fights. Um, here's what I'd say. Uh, in the fight between Anthony Pettis and Cowboy Cerrone, uh, I think that you have to go with Anthony Pettis just because Cerrone has lost so many in a row. Cerrone's older. You know, they've, they've fought before. It was seven years ago, which is quite a long time, but Pettis won that one pretty easily. And now Pettis is 32, and I think, let's see, I think uh, that means Cerrone would be 37. So that age difference is pretty big, especially when Cerrone hasn't looked like himself. You remember the last time he fought was against McGregor this winter when uh, he was uh, knocked out in 40 seconds. And I don't think, I mean, he didn't put him to sleep, but... Uh, I don't know. I, I think that it's just pretty obvious that Pettis is going to win this one. The odds are still decent. I think he's... I should pull this up. I should have had this pulled up already, I guess. But uh, uh, Pettis is, is favored in this fight. He's favored at uh, minus 136. I still really like that, though. Um, again, better fighter at this point, um, as sad as it is because uh, Cerrone is from Denver. Uh, I definitely go Pettis there. I, and Pettis lost his last one too, but in a different weight class and to somebody who's a lot better than Donald Cerrone in my mind. So there's my first pick. We're going to mark that one down and check in next Tuesday, recap how I did, give you guys some more advice, um, and we'll talk betting there. Uh, one more note on the betting thing that I just realized uh, I hadn't brought up yet. So there was a change to the law, actually. I think it was pretty recently. It may have even been this year. Um, but you can't bet on college sports at the moment, though that seems like it's really likely to change. Um, that I think they said they're going to speak again this month, actually, to talk about college sports in particular. I mean, they're worried about... Um, Obviously, student-athletes being paid to throw games, which I don't think would be a problem, but if there's any risk, you have to talk it over. Um, so yeah, technically no betting on college sports right now, although it does seem like most of the people who have been covering this initiative really closely think that that's going to get changed back, um, likely before football season starts. So we'll just kind of see how that goes. But again, hopefully it works out. I'm pretty sure in the initial version you could only bet on the outcomes of the games you couldn't take katie nixon to be you know over under 77 yards receiving something like that um which makes a little bit more sense we'll see if you ever get to that point in college sports um i hope so just because those are fun conversations to talk about um even though i obviously wouldn't bet on the buffs just to clarify um, not because I don't try to bust, but because of the whole conflict of interest and ethics thing. I can, I can be happy with myself betting on Korean baseball and Russian table tennis, but 
uh, obviously Pac-12 betting I'm not going to actually put money on. But uh, I will tell you who I would put money on if I were a betting man. Um, really excited about this. Really, really excited about this. Um, I want to get into some buffs talk because as much as this whole college football thing is kind of buffs talk, it isn't actually buffs talk. Let's just talk about these running backs for a minute before we get out of here. Um, Mostly because I'm really excited. That's the group at this point that's kind of keeping me up at night. Like I'll just be laying in bed and think, wow, the Buffs could actually be something special. Maybe even this year. Uh, If a couple of things happen, mostly these running backs turn into what we think they're going to turn into. Um, Before the defensive line was kind of in that group. I'm cooling off on this defensive line a little bit. Um, I still think they'll be good, but Antonio Alfano just gave them so much upside, and now I'm a little bit w- not worried, I guess. I mean, I'm still confident in that group. I, I just kind of question the upside. Could this team really have a top two, three defensive line without an Antonio Alfano? Uh, top two, three in the Pac-12, by the way. I think it might be possible, but the odds are quite a bit slimmer. Um and so now I'm really just all in on these running backs. But let's just talk about them. Um, here's an interesting thought I've been having. I really like Deion Smith as a receiving back. I really like him there. And I think that based on some of the Instagram videos I've seen of him working out, I think he may realize that that's how he can see the field. Um, Alex Fontenot is great with the ball in his hands. That that balance, um, the the ability to take contact, you know, he's he is fairly fast. Um he has all the traits that you're looking for in terms of a guy who you hand the ball off to and let him go to work. Um, Jaron Mangum, big bruiser, fast when he has space to get up to speed. Um, would like to see him get up to speed maybe a little bit quicker. Um, but again, somebody who you want to put the ball in their hands and just let them go to work. Ashad Clayton, very much the same thing, but a little bit more of a wild card just because, you know, we've we've seen the videos but we haven't been able to see him in person or see him against Pac-12 competition, even see him in practice, just what he looks like compared to these other guys. Um, And so maybe he could be more of a receiving back, but again, he reminds me of the type where you just give him the ball and he's, if if an average running back picks up two yards, he's going to be able to turn that into four. He's just got two more yards for you than what you'd expect. Meanwhile, Deion Smith he has bulked up. I, he, he's up, I think, 15 pounds, maybe 20 pounds since last season. Um, and I haven't checked in recently. That's why I think it may be even more. But I was amazed he was packing on that weight. Uh, and again, receiving back. Um, you get him out of the backfield, get him in a little bit of space, put the ball in his hands, and I think that's where he shines. And I think that's where Fontenot really could shine too, but we just haven't seen it. He hasn't popped as a receiver as much as... Maybe we would have expected. He's definitely popped as a runner more than I anticipated last season, though. So I don't mean to hate on him at all. It's just that his game doesn't pan out the way that I thought it would. It's the same thing, you know, with the Broncos. Philip Lindsay as a receiving back. On paper, it makes a lot of sense. He's so quick. He's so shifty. Um, he could sneak out of that backfield. But so far, it just hasn't quite clicked yet for whatever reason. Um, whether it's a situation he's put in, whether it's the coaching he's getting. But, you know... The hands are all right. The feet are all right. Those just aren't plus plays uh, so far. And, you know, if he spent the offseason working on it, I'm sure that he was able to improve that because that's just who he is. But 
that's kind of what I'm curious about with these other running backs. Because I'm honestly surprised that so many of them stuck around. You know, you have Joe Davis back there too. Uh, I would have expected that one of those two, Joe Davis or Deion Smith, would have looked for another opportunity unless they really thought that they had a path to to play soon. Um, you know, Dion does have a little more of that speed and, and maybe even just a little bit of elusiveness that the buffs may be missing. I think a shot Clayton brings a lot of that. And I guess Fontenot has some too. It's just so hard to define what Fontenot does. And some of it's elusiveness, but a lot of it is just like not taking straight on blows. It, it blows to the side. So he's able to recover a little bit or fall forward for four yards. Um, Ashad Clayton, I think, has to make people miss. And I think that Deion Smith might be more of a footwork type than just a footwork-based elusiveness. So the jukes, um, the stop and start, that type of stuff. Whereas Fontenot is more, he's elusive, but it's more based on his balance through contact and his ability to withstand hits that, you know, if Dion took, he may go down, but Dion's able to put him in situa- himself in situations where he doesn't get touched. Um Again, you got to see it pan out on the field, but he was a player who, you know, I wasn't here for his recruitment, but I would kind of expect him to take a couple of years to to get to a point where he's ready to really contribute the Pac-12 level. I think he needed to put on that weight. Um, I don't know about his knowledge of the playbook, any of that kind of stuff, um, but a couple of extra years there couldn't hurt either, especially when you're trying to steal reps from, uh, you know, Jaron Mangum, who will be a true sophomore, and Ashad Clayton, who will be a true freshman. Uh, Joe Davis, very much in the same conversation as well. Um, But yeah, I I am kind of curious, because I think you do still need a receiving back. And there is a little bit more of a question with this Carl Durrell offense than there would be in pretty much any other offense just because we haven't seen him we've seen one year of him calling plays with his own system in the last 13 years and a lot has changed in the game in the last 13 years so is he still planning on going with three tight ends and or maybe two running backs you know only having one or two receivers on the field at a time or is he willing to spend more time in the shotgun uh try to have more spread type looks instead of just the pure West Coast stuff. Um, the power run, bootleg, um, I guess well, probably some zone blocking too. But uh, I, I think that that is a question because when you see these great receiving backs, a lot of the time it's it's just them leaking out of the shotgun. And maybe when you're lined up and you've got your 22 personnel out there, maybe maybe there just isn't much of a need for your running back to catch the ball. Um, we'll see. We'll see, though. Um, and I think that that job is more up for grabs um, because, again, when these coaches are building offenses, they aren't just looking for a number one and number two and number three at 11 different positions. They're looking at different ways that they can use the different pieces that they have. Um, and and I think that the as ter- in terms of carries – we pretty much know who the three guys who are going to get the bulk of the carries are. Um, and it'd be a bit of an upset if Deion Smith was able to sneak into that top three. Not impossible, but it would be... Uh, I mean, we could get the DraftKings odds on it, I bet. If college betting were allowed, we could go to the DraftKings Sportsbook and say, what are the odds that Deion Smith finishes in the top three 
on the buffs in, in carries. And then you could bet on that if you wanted. But uh, I just don't I, I just don't see that. But I do think that receiving back role is wide open. And it's going to be an interesting battle um, because there will be that battle for carries as well. I don't know. Let's just wrap this up by saying if I'm Dion, I spent all offseason working on my footwork, my hands, trying to get a chance to get the ball in my hands while maybe the top three backs spent more time trying to put their head down and break tackles and build strength um, just because of their different spots on the roster. Uh, I'm really excited, though, because I really do think that both Davis and and, uh, Smith could really – contribute to a Pac-12 team um they're just kind of blocked because again Ashad Clayton uh Alex Fontenot Jaron Mangum what a group such a great group of running backs at least on paper and hopefully we'll get a chance to see it here soon um I don't know I'm curious what groups you guys are most excited to see I'm also curious which jersey you guys would buy if you could get like player jerseys with uh names on them um because that totally changes the equation i was just thinking about this morning with college sports uh because because i was thinking about buying one of those uh larry walker todd helton jerseys uh the the turn ahead the clock jerseys from the 90s that the rockies just put back on sale for the first time forever um i thought well i wish i could just buy a buffs jersey and then I realized that you can't. And so I was thinking through, like, which jersey would you want at this point? You know, Brendan Lewis would make a lot of sense, but it'd be kind of risky. Um, would you just go with a Visca? That two looks nice. The Chenault Jr. on the back looks nice. It's going to last forever. Ugh, I don't know. I think I might go KJ Trujillo or Nate Landman. I think that could be the move, too. I'm curious. If you guys could buy a jersey, let me know which jersey you would buy. Basketball counts, too, if there's a basketball one you'd like. I mean, Ken would be the easy answer. I think I think a Deshaun Schwartz could be pretty nice. Keyshawn Bartholomew, too. I don't know. I don't know. I'm curious. If you guys have any jerseys that you would uh, like to buy, because as it stands now, that will not be allowed because uh, the, the school can't profit off of the same jersey sponsorship thing. There's that rule. I guess It's not jersey specific, but, like, you can't have the school have some deal that they're working with that the student's also a part of. I wish they'd just make an exception for jerseys because how those jerseys don't exist is pretty crazy. Plus, can you imagine being a college kid and seeing adults in your jersey? Like, it's it's still cool when, like, Visca is, whatever, 21. turned Yeah, he turned 21 this fall. And uh, he's walking around Jacksonville seeing people in his jersey. But imagine being Brendan Lewis or Ashad Clayton as 18-year-olds with grown men, 50,000, packing the stadium, and a real portion of them have your name on them. I don't know. That's crazy. But uh, it's a thought I had, and we had to ride with it. That's going to do it for today. I'll be back tomorrow. If you guys have any questions, any comments, leave them in the replies to uh, today's post at thednvr.com, the post for today's show. There we go. Um, And I'll get to all of those next time we talk. Until then, stay safe. Think about that Jersey thing. Um, hopefully we're close to sports. I think they like my Colorado sway. Cause when I'm in it play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in it go, you know I'm acting bad. Holly get a bus with my Colorado.
Colorado swag. Yeah. It's pushing 180. Speed and pad competition. See you later, baby. baby. Colorado Army with soldiers like the Navy. Yeah. And voters where we stationed, patiently awaiting. Oh. When I hit the field, it's so hard to behave. Yeah. I'm Colorado swagging at the crowd, do the wave. Look into my eyes, I can tell that you afraid. Uh-huh. Cause you know we finna hit you. Hit you. Hit you. Hit you. Hey. Hey. you on your own now. Why you watching the official? Yeah. You just better hope you make it to the next whistle. Yeah. And we ain't playing with you, you can get it anytime. Yeah. It started at the scrimmage, we gon' win it at the line. Yeah. My Colorado swag in the middle of the ring. Green. Throwing blows, knocking down team after team. They like my Colorado swag, cause when I'm in that play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in that go, you know I'm acting bad. Get a bus with my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag. Man, I swear I think they like my Colorado swag. Have you ever seen a ram? Man, I swear I think they like my Colorado swag.